Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. A short Bible study, about 13 minutes each day, getting us into God's Word, keeping us in God's Word, and thereby focusing on keeping us strong in the faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. But it also helps keep us focused on a relationship with God and upon our soul's salvation. Helps us to maintain a more positive, more spiritual mindset to be able to deal with life every day. Help people in your life, and you know some, probably some within your own family, who need to turn their lives around from a spiritual perspective. Help them by sharing these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. What a great blessing it would be if you could help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. But that would also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study that I've entitled, God Says, But I Think. And so we talked about how, and this is reality. Let me tell you, it is all around us. People want to change God's word. At least they want to change what they understand or what they want God's word to say to them. And realizing it or not, a whole lot of people replace what God says, what God commands through his word with what they think or what they want to be okay. Hmm. Well, we saw that that's an impossibility in staying right with God. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, Paul said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, literally meaning it is God breathed. It is God's very word. We cannot change God's word and still be okay with God. Jesus, when he was confronted with, by the devil after fasting for 40 days, the devil said, if you're the son of man, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus answered him with scripture. It is written, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The devil tempted him several different ways on that occasion. Jesus responded every single time with scripture. It is written. Well, interesting. We need to have God's word in that much of a forefront of our mind that we can quickly condition how we react to a given situation with what God says. When we read scripture, that's what God says. Don't be looking for a some voice in your ear or some interesting, you know, odd feeling sweeping over you. Read the Bible. That's what God says. And Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, but we also looked at numerous other scriptures that say the same thing. It says, don't change God's word. If you change God's word, you stand in danger of eternal condemnation. Well, so we looked at the principle. We saw God says, but I think, uh-uh. When you change what God says, that's no longer God's word. That's your word now. And you're not God. You don't have the authority to change God's word. Well, last time we talked about how God's word says there is one true church. Jesus said he came to establish his church, Matthew 16 and verse 18. But over 
the past nearly 2,000 years since Jesus walked upon this earth, a whole lot of people have come along and established all kinds of other churches, all claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ. But Jesus talked about his church. And when we noted in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, that the church is identified as the body of Christ, and then in chapter 4, in verse 4, of Paul's Ephesians letter. And remember, he's writing God's word. When we read this, this is what God says. He wrote down, there is one body, which is the church, going back to chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Well, God's word says that we are to worship him in specific ways. But you know, I think that any, any way that makes me feel good ought to be okay. Well, now you're, there you go, changing God's word again, what God says. Jesus said that God wants us to worship him. In fact, he was emphatic in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, a whole lot of people, they look at emotion to a great extent as the qualifier. They want to get emotionally worked up. And, and there's certainly emotion involved in worship, but they leave off that truth part, or at least they give it less than the emphasis that they need to. Jesus said, we must worship God in spirit and truth. Well, now, what is the truth of how God wants us to worship him? Let me ask you, in your church, how many times do you partake of the Lord's Supper each year? Now, some of you might have to stop and think. You might not really know. Well, I, I think maybe it's, it's once every quarter, or maybe it's once every six months. Or You know, I think we have a communion Sunday once a year. It's a big deal. We, I always try to be there for that. Well, what do the scriptures say? What does God say in his word? In Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 the apostle, the apostle Paul, he's in the city of Troas. And so he's there, and he is meeting with the church in Troas. It says in verse 7 of Acts chapter 20, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them, and continued his message until midnight. Now, to break bread is understood. They're, they're meeting together to partake of the Lord's Supper. A lot of people call it communion, to remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, his death on the cross. Now, when did they come together to do that? On the first day of the week. Now, that doesn't say in the first day of the, of the first week of the month or the first day of the first week of the new quarter or the first day of the first week of uh, the, every six months or the first day of the first week of some set, man-designed, dis, man, uh, set-aside communion service Sunday. No, it, it says the first day of the week. How many weeks have a first day? Oh, every one? Hmm. And that was the practice, historically, of the early church on this earth. 
after it came into existence on Pentecost. They met together on the first day to partake of the Lord's Supper. That was one primary purpose of their coming together in worship, to partake of the Lord's Supper. Who changed it? God's Word did not change, but man came along and changed it. Why? To make it more convenient? To suit himself? We're supposed to worship God in spirit and truth. God's Word gives the example of meeting together in the first day of the week to partake of the Lord's Supper and to teach and to study God's Word. Paul also preached on that day. Until midnight, the text says. (laughs) And then if you read the text further, it says, then he kept on preaching after that. Interesting. Well, God's Word also instructs that we are to worship him through giving back to him in worship from the material blessings that he has bestowed upon us. So all the material blessings that we have, money, job, things that we buy, all of that, those are blessings from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. James 1 and verse 17. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, we read the same language. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. The church of the first century, they understood, they practiced worshiping God in their giving upon the first day of the week. How many, how many first, every week had a first day, right? Now, remember the same language used in the Old Testament law of Moses, going back all the way to Exodus chapter 20, and what we look at is the fourth of those original Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. They understood what that meant. Every week had, had a Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week, and so they kept it holy. They, were, they knew they were supposed to set aside that day as worship to God. Now, that's the one commandment of the original ten that is not incorporated in the New Testament Christianity. So we meet together on the first day of the week. So we read passages like Acts 20 and verse 7. They came together in the first day of the week to break bread, to partake of the Lord's Supper. Upon the first day of the week, lay something aside. Worship God through your giving. Now, that's what God's Word says. It instructs us. Let me ask you this also. If your church only partakes of the Lord's Supper once every month or once every, th- uh, every three months or once every six months or one big Sunday a year, how many times do they pass the collection plate? How many times do they expect you to give? Oh, oh, is that every Sunday? Is that what they want? Is that what they teach? Do you see the contradiction there between the two instructions as to how to worship God and both of them using the fr- same phrase, upon the first day of the week? Interesting, isn't it? Well, God's word, so God says that we are to worship him in song, but through a cappella singing. But churches today, denominations, it's just as common as can be. They have choirs, they have singing groups, they have bands, they have 
pianos and organs. And maybe in some cases, they might have a small orchestra. And you look at the stage up there where they're performing in a lot of cases. Well, it looks like a show, doesn't it? Is that how we're instructed to worship God and praise him in song, in his word? We don't find that in God's word. We don't find God telling us to worship me through a band or through a choir. And we'll look at that more closely next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us your word to guide us in your truth. And Father, help us to respect your truth and to revere your truth because that is your will for our lives so that we can be with you in heaven, Father, for all of eternity. Thank you for giving us your word and through that word telling us what you want us to believe and treat, teach and practice as the church and as individual Christians. Please forgive us, gracious Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.